Welcome to Innova Solutions podcast series, practical advice to advance in your professional career from the experts, moving at the speed of you. Thank you for tuning in. Hi, welcome to the Innova Solutions podcast series. I'm your host, Roland Knight, CTO of product at Innova Solutions. And today we have Sridhar Kajupeta, CTO of product and solutions at Innova Solutions. Good afternoon. Thanks, Roland. Today we're here to talk about ChatGPT. So let's start with the the basic question. What is ChatGPT? ChatGPT is a bot specialized for the use of uh, chatbots with natural language processing, both understanding and generation. So the product name ChatGPT, obviously the emphasis is on chatbots, G for generative, P for pre-trained, and T for transformer. And that's where, when you talk about transformer, that's where you get into neural networks and deep learning. And it's capable, for the first time, of generating new content versus highly uh, being oriented towards analytical capabilities. You know, as we all know, in the world of uh, AI, we have been saying this for a while, and AI has been around for a long time. Anything that the left brain skills of a human being can accomplish is a target for AI. All of it may not be, but that's what AI does best. Take a lot of the, the analytical abilities, repetitive abilities, and enhance uh, human ability to perform those tasks without errors and at large scale. But in the case of uh, ChatGPT, for the first time, and in a remarkable way, I've tested it uh, for quite a while, took it for a spin in different areas. It has this unique ability, thanks to the models and the training and all the different filtering that they have done to make it not only smart, but also ethical, socially aware, and that's going to grow. So that is really the the essence of ChatGPT. The underlying framework we all should know is a combination of, like I said, ML and DL, and it is called LLM, Large Language Model. And they've spent a lot of time training with uh, billions of different data sets, and it underwent both what in the AI parlance is called both supervised learning and unsupervised learning. So supervised learning refers to the basic elements of language, syntax, construction, everything that an AI model has to learn. Much like a child, when, when they go to school in the beginning through your you know primary and middle school, you're learning how language works but but after that you are let loose to go and explore be on your own and become in this case uh, someone who is very capable of linguistic skills uh, from a content creation perspective so that's when the unsupervised aspect of learning for chat gpt came in and uh, they let it loose on going through books and for example twitter database both uh, formal documents, artistic creations like poetry and whatnot. And now what we see 
uh, is really the result of all of that. One thing I would also talk and then come back to you, Roland, is you can never just talk about chat GPT without going a bit sideways to its sister or a counterpart product called DAL-E, D-A-L-L hyphen E, which is actually its counterpart for creating graphical content. And both of these are offerings from the company OpenAI, right? And why the strange name DAL-E? It's actually a reference to the famous artist, Spanish artist, Salvador Dali, and uh, the Pixar movie, WALL-E. And they fuse the two to make a point that uh, it's obviously about graphics, but also you know, trying to be inspired by human creativity in terms of painting and creating very uh, unique uh, graphical content. So I just wanted to mention that because a lot of times when you hear about chat GPT in social conversations or whatever, people intermix these two and say, hey, you know, chat GPT can do this. You know, it can paint uh, an avocado shaped uh, sofa. Well, it's not chat GPT, but this other offering from uh, from OpenAI. And uh, one last thing about OpenAI, they are now trying to be not so non-profit, but actually become a for-profit organization. There is also a version of uh, ChatGPT that is for fee, where you don't run into all these problems that uh, people must be facing. When you try to log in, it says, sorry, we'll inform you when the system is up and running because they're getting oversubscribed day in and day out. Let me stop right there and we can zoom into further detail with your next set of questions on ChatGPT. Thank you. A lot, a lot to unpack there. I think you, you've actually answered a bit of my next question, so I'll, I'll reformulate a little bit. Uh, clear, clearly, ChatGPT is, is way beyond uh, Eliza, which has been out, you know, was out in the, the 1960s. But still, I, I'd like to know what makes ChatGPT unique over you know, some of the attempts that Facebook and Microsoft have done recently. Got it. No, another great question. So, uh, as I said, AI is is not a new field. It's been around since the forties. And uh, one thing that Eliza efforts like Eliza share with ChatGPT is how they push the envelope from where technology stood at that point in time. So, obviously, you and I are not old enough to to actually comment on what Eliza did or didn't. But just going through history, we know that it was one of the first rule-based engines that also attacked the problem of natural language processing. But it was all rule-based, you know, if-then-else kind of logic, and it was all pre-programmed, and and there were many conversations where, where it failed. But still, it was one of the first of its kind to push the envelope. Same thing with ChatGPT. Given where we were, a lot of limited use of uh, ML and DL, they took on this challenge to, to make sure that we not only take language processing to the next level, but also content creation. And they've been very careful about it. I really give... Uh, the people at OpenAI, all the scientists and researchers and the governance uh, that was 
offered to them to make sure that not only they're coming up with something fancy, but something responsible. And that's where efforts uh, by Microsoft, uh, the effort uh, is not many people know of it, is called Tay, T-A-Y. And a similar effort by Facebook, what is now Meta, is called Blenderbot. They failed because they were considered a bit rogue and political, and uh, they quietly shut those efforts down, is, is what I understand. I'm sure they'll, they'll resurface with some of the lessons learned here. But one of the unique things about OpenAI and, and ChatGPT, I would say there are two, two layers that relate to governance. One is the what is referred to as reinforcement learning through human feedback. So a lot of the prompts that we supply and how it regularly keeps learning from those prompts, as well as they built in a moderation API layer so that anything that it comes up with that's that is unpolitical is subject to that modern moderation API to make sure that the content is ethical and politically accurate and uh, doesn't offend any particular group of people or what have you. So I hope I answered your question in terms of going back to early efforts and some of the recent efforts as to why ChatGPT kind of stands apart. I guess I, I want to say it's, it's, it's a coordinated effort to, to, to produce a, a unique solution. Um, okay, and the next question is, search is the number one global application today. Google is even an official verb in the Oxford Dictionary. So the question is, is ChatGPT poised to be as ubiquitous as search? I can actually take this question uh, more from my own experience point of view with uh, ChatGPT and what I learned from it. So as a language model, inherently doesn't try to be either a search engine or an e-commerce related advisor. For example, if you want to look for the best deal for a hotel room for your next vacation, you can ask ChatGPT, but it will give you more of an advisor kind of an answer versus you go to a search engine and they won't have that advisory piece, but they will give you a list of all the options. And some of them might even say, hey, best deal of today is with uh, booking.com. And then, of course, then you go help yourself. So will at some point all of these things be integrated, which is what uh, I heard uh, Microsoft making those statements saying, and that's not necessarily about chat GPT per se. It is more about the GPT 3.5 and GPT 4 framework is in the making. And why not integrate that into Bing, which is their search engine, and I'm sure Google would follow up. And you might lose that fine line between how certain use cases have been reserved or dominated by browsers, uh, search engines, and certain functions are now being addressed by uh, AI technology. So you might see that uh, the difference, but what ChatGPT per se is more famous for is a very human-like Q&A kind of session, and it's amazing in that category. It is not only context-sensitive, it's highly fluent. 
the speed with which it works. And if you are going through a series of questions, and let's say you started with one of the, the questions that I had was, well, how effective EVs are, electric vehicles are, in terms of uh, combating the climate change challenges that we have? And I started a discussion and it was it was like having a discussion with a friend over a drink, right? And as you go through the set of questions and if I say, hey, but how about Mark III from Ford? It knows that the conversation has been about efficacy of electric vehicles. So you, you don't need to, you know, to be very elaborate with your question. It knows what you're talking about. So, so those kinds of things, uh, I think, will be reserved to, to chat GPT, our products like that. Yeah, that answers the question. That's, that, and that's a, a very good lead-in to the, the next questions. So not only can you do that, chat with, with GPT, but it, it generates uh, complete usable output that could be used for, for essays, for resumes, for uh, presentations. Exactly. So I even subjected it to market research use cases. And it is amazing. The output it produces is very crisp and very complete. Whereas if you have an analyst of your own, obviously they can take a deeper dive into it. But chances are that humans being what they are, they may not always, 100% of the time, come up with a 360-degree view on a subject of research, whereas an AI technology like ChatGPT will always be bringing that discipline. So, for example, I won't give you the details of the use case, but, hey, what are some of the opportunities for transformation in this area? Well, I could have probably put five people in a room, and maybe between those five may have missed that there is an opportunity for use of blockchain for this particular problem. They may say other things about analytics and cloud transformation and RPA, whatever. But for whatever reason, because we are, we are very prejudiced, they may miss, uh, hey, how about blockchain here? So things like that. I found it very fascinating and uh, very, very well uh, conceived, developed, and tested. Which, of course, leads to the, 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 the next question is, if you're using it to generate full output, you know, should, should that practice be considered unethical or, or maybe even regulated in some way? No, there are areas where it, it, it can be unethical, and that's where I'm hoping that their moderation API layer would, would jump in, would be strengthened. So, for example, I saw some of the videos uh, on YouTube where a kid is trying to take a multiple choice question from his exam and cut and paste that into chatbot window. And it actually not only picked the right answer, but it gave all the analysis behind the right answer. That is one example. The other is if uh, college admissions require you to to express yourself and demonstrate your written skills through essays. You can write beautiful, crisp essays on any topic with, with chat GPT. So it can lead to malpractice, but that's why what we would then have is have checks and balances 
So we not only go with a nice essay, but we have a phone interview, a video interview with the person and see if that person can stand behind this wonderful product that they, they produced. And uh, But for that reason, we probably don't want to outright ignore the benefits of this technology. For example, an entire marketing department you know, can be doing a lot more other productive things. And I go back to my first point about how at least psychologists and psychiatrists agree that there is this, you know, right brain set of skills and left brain set of skills. No amount of AI can ever take over the right brain side of uh, our skills. The ability to conceive new ideas, the ability to create something out of nothing. But of course, ChatGPT is challenging some of that. It's, it's trying to create content, but it's trying to assist you rather than replace you. For example, it, it even wrote poetry for me. And not just to you know, write a poem, ChatGPT. I said, write a poem about a dusky evening when the wind is high and you're walking on the beach, something like that. Yeah, it wrote something very relevant. But take credit for that and say, hey, you're the author of that poem. Then, well, they'll say, fine, now write something else. But it, it's, it's all happening very fast and those lines are getting blurred and we'll have to develop a new discipline to separate human creativity from this assisted creativity that people may try to That and, and how, how to leverage the tool. I mean, it could be an incredible leveraging or, or, or um, learning tool. You can automate uh, marketing emails. You can create a uh, lot of productivity into campaigns you can do a lot of research that are that otherwise like i said you know a bunch of people and that can be crisp complete so we have to focus on those benefits versus you know how in certain areas it can be subject to malpractice and, and, and once once again you're, you're you're a little bit ahead of ahead of me on this one then uh the next question is you, you just touched on it a bit uh, of course you know, just just experimenting with chat gpt you can see that it 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 can do a better job at certain tasks than many people but can it really replace more chat gpt or similar you know generative ais can they completely replace it yeah that's that's what i feel that the its ability to replace is less of a, a concern or a possibility but more and more it, it will assist and as long as you think that you can benefit from it you can use it without creating attrition in the workforce where you're making them more productive and focus on you know like face-to-face customer skills and taking on more work so that you're not making a career out of repetitive mundane tasks that that responsibility rests with us because that's what these guys have gone ahead and proved that hey we are not going to limit some of this technology just to the analytical our number crunching, uh, that kind of uh, usage that we have had AI put to, but we are going to go more towards uh, create new content side of it. So that's an opportunity for us to benefit, but not without an eye towards ethics, concern for us, human being in the loop uh, for any use case in an assisted manner is very important. And that's where they're, they're talking about these these two disciplines that ChatGPT 
is based on the reinforcement through human feedback, as well as the moderation API. And then there will be more rules at uh, institutions level, both public and private, as to where it is allowed, where it is not allowed. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a tool, a very, very, very sophisticated tool. Okay, then it's, it's a tool. So how can businesses benefit from, from using this tool? Yeah, so we touched on some of those uh, those aspects. Uh, the business use cases are, are going to be mostly in the area of customer service, like even in an e-commerce situation, if there are customer calls about product-related re- help, how-to guides, marketing campaigns, email automation, uh, creating virtual assistants uh, who who go one scale further in terms of uh, the abilities of virtual assistants to take care of routine chores for, for executives. So there are a lot of the, those, and that this is just the beginning, right? So we, we can also apply to IT-related productivity use cases. Uh, one of the languages that, uh, apart from English and spoken languages, I, I'm not aware of uh, things like French and Spanish, but I'm sure that's not a big deal for them. But programming languages, they work heavily with Python, now other languages as well. So it can actually fix Python code, write new Python code. It can convert from one language to another, but it's all based on how much you, you're helping it learn. And that creates new avenues of productivity for IT-related uh, tasks. And will it make programmers <laughs> go out of business? Uh, I don't think we can go that far, but it can really increase the productivity of programmers, where if they are doing some routine, I would call them infrastructure services or whatever, it, it can write those for them. Yeah, pretty, pretty exciting times for sure. Okay, so those are some great applications. What, what are the, the, the more, I guess, dangerous or potentially dangerous applications of a tool with this kind of power? So there, uh, other than some of these malpractice related situations that we touched upon, and there are always going to be miscreants and uh, we all need to know uh, whether it is uh, employee related screening process or college-related admissions, those kinds of misrepresentations are handled either by saying, hey, in this case, thou shall sign a a declaration form that this was your own output and not assisted by, you know, maybe earlier we used to say not assisted by parents. Now (laughs) we probably want to say not assisted by parents and AI platforms like ChatGPT and uh, and then double-check on that. But where I see a lot of dangerous and fraudulent use cases are more in the in the DAL E type of uh, use cases that are emerging. First of all, DAL E is uh, a bit behind in terms of evolution. Right now, it's in a very gimmicky stage, extremely slow, but uh, and not well learned. It knows some, for example, if you if you want uh, a portrait done in an, in a Picasso style. Uh, of a famous subject that you know, it did it for me. I could say that, yeah, even though Picasso wouldn't have known this subject, it does look like the work of Picasso. But by the same token, you can't ask about some regional artists that are famous in other countries and ask it to paint something and and it didn't have a clue. The more dangerous things uh, that I foresee uh, that we need to be prepared for are these deep fake videos and uh, you know, misrepresentation of 
famous figures uh, for exploitation, extortion, blackmailing, whatever. So, and and also like I I read somewhere that companies who, who make a living on selling stock for pictures, right? You know, they they go take pictures of different landscapes or whatever. Um, so it can throw them out of business because you can do whatever you want rather than somebody going and creating that setting for you. And in an almost uh, lifelike uh, picture quality. So that's not necessarily fraudulent, but uh, that needs to be controlled as well. Plus the legalities of that need to be sorted out because derivative work is, is, is a, a fine line between derivative and, and plagiarized. Right? Okay. Um, then just the final question is... Um, uh, what's next for ChatGPT and uh, AIs for the business world? Yeah, so unfortunately, there isn't a published roadmap for us to say what to expect. But what I think would happen with uh, the creators and the team behind ChatGPT is they have a lot to focus on to get this platform to be more robust. Their site is obviously having problems of course you know in spite of the uh, the highly scalable cloud computing that uh, that it sits on so they'll fix things like that they will uh, further boost and uh, bring robustness into their moderation api uh, and the reinforcement and focus more and more on unfortunately i need to say this but uh, it's not necessarily good news for the communities they will also focus on monetization you know right now you can test it. You can test the power there in that mode of building the the momentum and the criticality of uh, mass uh, public support for technologies like this. Everyone that I talk to is is reasonably excited, and and it has its limitations. I I I crashed it a few times, and it was not a graceful thing. It, it didn't say, "Hey, you know, let's go back to your question." It just crashed, and I had to get out and get back in. One thing is it, it does store your entire conversation so you can restart from where you where you left off. But on certain days, it wouldn't even allow me to get back in because by then other people are knocking on the door. So there, there are a lot of those kinds of th- the, uh, you know situations to, to work on. But come up with, uh, you know, we always talk about uh, enterprise use cases. Right now, ChatGPT is not the application itself. It's not open. It uh, doesn't have APIs, um, but that doesn't apply to the underlying uh, GPT three and a half uh, framework, which will be more for enterprise use. So they'll have more APIs. There'll be how-to guides. In fact, that'll all be built into the framework itself. Uh, you know, you can say, "Hey, how do I use for this and that?" And it, it'll actually give you step-by-step instructions. But I, I see more enterprise adoption, and with that, uh, people trying to push the envelope. But uh, right now, it's all in the art of the possible phase, if you will. Wow, that's a, that's a lot to process. Well, thank you very much. That's um, very, a very informative session. Hey, thank you. Go farther with Innova Solutions. Thank you for tuning in to the Innova Solutions podcast, professional advice to advance in your career. For more information, visit our resource candidate library at innovasolutions.com. Moving at the speed of you. Data transfer complete.